0: Welcome to the Flamcast. We're really getting into this fortnightly groove, Derek. Are you well this week?
1: Uh, I've had a bit of a, uh, a horrific week, and we discuss why at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, nah, on, nah, I, yeah,
0: you're getting this wrong, mate. See, when people ask you that, you always say you're fine. You're not supposed to tell them the truth.
1: Okay, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely fine then.
0: <laughs> okay, I tell you, I've. I'm really, really fine because, as I was saying to Scott and the cast and I think I actually said it to Killian as well, I'm going to say it in every show that I'm on for you know, the, the foreseeable future. See, once you see a cobble and a bit of mud <laughs> on a cobble, all of the early season stuff vanishes. You know, I'd, was there a tour in the United Arab Emirates? I don't know. I remember the light in a man, uh, down under. I can't even remember who won it because I'm now just totally focused on hopefully bad weather, Belgian hard men and their counterparts from other nations and slippery cobbles and all is well in the
1: world. Exactly, and deciding who is the last of the Landrians and stuff like that. And I suppose so far this season, I think we've kind of seen a few... Um, early season skirmishes we haven't really seen any of the, the sprinters um, establish themselves as really dominant I know Viviani did well early on but there's no one really been dominant uh, Gaviria's been doing well, well look at we Sam f- beating the best of the best yeah uh, and ho- I hope it continues now in Paris Nice we've seen a few of the GC guys out in our belt but we haven't really seen a full on GC battle they've kind of been here and there and now we're starting to see mud and cobbles and lads sliding and falling off on bends and stuff like that. And it's the, the point of the season where we all get excited again and believe we can, if, you know, we're out in a Sunday spin, we can probably win a Classic ourselves.
0: Did you see Roger DeVlaminck's uh, phrase about the, the current crop of riders? Soft bastards. Well, it was worse than that. He said, in my day, Petr again wouldn't have won a single race. Yeah. that That's old men shooting at clouds, isn't it?
1: It is, it is, and look, uh, the Vlamic, I don't know whether he just—he's doing a—he f- is literally a troll, or is <laughs> he just—that's the way he is. So I look, I kind of ignore him now at this stage. Right, weekend racing. Yeah, that's... we had a good good weekend, didn't we?
0: Yeah, I mean, started with Hate hit newsblad. I still call it hit vault because I'm old, um, and I never ever thought I would get so excited about minor classics. But before it started, I was kind of okay. But once the racing started, it was just fantastic. And we saw, in my opinion, a Greg Van Avermat who was the strongest man in the race. But Quickstep played it perfectly. And there were lots of other people taking the race to the leaks of, you know, Stibar, the eventual winner, and Greg Van Avermat, who really give me hope going forward to to Flanders and Roubaix that we're not going to see a clean sweep, you know, and Stratabianke. Tomorrow, we're recording this on Friday. Strada Bianchi tomorrow, I'll just add to that. I think there's probably a dozen riders who could win any of the big races this year, including you know outsiders like Owen Dool, who was second to, to Bob Jungles the following day, and who was one of the strong guys in the chase up to the moor, nearly got the group back for, for Team Sky. So there's lots of strong folk racing and looking on form early in the
1: season yeah there is and I think um, even the way that Quickstep have played these last three races uh, Hedvok Korn and Salmon uh, that I, I think oh I'm going to go out on a limb here and you can flog me in a couple of weeks time I think they've peaked too early uh, <laughs> Hang on, hang on. Right, so there, there is there is actually thought behind this, right? I think they've got some very, very good riders, but if you look at who's won, Youngles is probably the, the outstanding rider there. I don't think Stiebauer is going to win a Roubaix or Flanders. No. Um, and I just don't think they've got the, the, the high-end quality. I think Gilbert may not be over the hill, but has a good view of the valley. Uh, Stiebauer, the same... Uh, Kaisa probably the same. I just I'm not sure of, of who's going to come up from the, the young guns. I know Seneschal won there on, on Monday or Tuesday in um in France but are in the French speaking area of Belgium. Um, but I, I, I just don't I don't see them exerting the same control for Flanders and Roubaix without Thurpster, without Boonen. And I'm gonna be interested to see how they fare out. And I think last year um Sagan showed how to take it up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't think the I don't think Van Avermaet played it correctly.
0: Well, no, on, he raced the way he used to when he got second all the time.
1: Yeah, he uh, strong like bull. Yeah. You know, and, and nothing in between the years. Um, my big disappointment from the, from the weekend is uh, my, my tip kind of for the classic scene, season. Uh, Van Barrel crashed and broke the hand. Yeah. Uh, um. So I, I was really going to be interested to see how he was fair now because I thought he was starting to starting to come come again. And, you know, after his first year at Sky and he was, he was starting to bubble up. Um. Yeah, and I suppose even though that they've had a clean sweep of the, the, the three semi-classics, I'm not sure... Where, where Quickstep are going to go from there and who they're going to play for the roles at Flanders and Roubaix um, I think they'll have a good they'll have a good uh, whack at uh, Bianchi I, can, I think they've got a, a combination of riders that, that will do well but I think maybe the, the climb at the end will be a little bit too much for them i tell you how I feel about
0: them because I've been understandably talking to a lot of people about this is I think they've got a, an entire team of riders who are Second tier, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, they're all they're all the caliber of rider that you'll have heard me talk about it. You know, the kind of person who can win on the day if everything goes in their direction. But they've got so many of them that actually gives them a lot of chances. Yeah. And if they're in a lot, if they're in a group of similar standard riders or people who mark out the big stars, as we saw with GVA at the weekend, then they've got so many people who could win that. You know, the odds are just in their favour. But if you put them up against a Peter Sagan at his very best, a Greg Van Avermatt who's got his head screwed on, you know, that individual excellence is so good that it's capable of taking apart all of those folk. Um, and I so that's where I think in the big races, if somebody else is peaking for it, quick step are vulnerable. I think in these smaller races where people maybe aren't taking it completely seriously or haven't put their you know put their, their race face properly on they're really hard to beat because they've got so many options. And we saw Nicky Terpstra, who I thought actually rode a really good race in Salmon for... um, Direct Energy. Direct Energy. I I could see the strip. I couldn't remember what the name of the team was. He showed that he's... He actually found his home at Quickstep, because he fell right into that. He was nearly good enough, but not quite. But if he'd had other Quickstep guys to play off, he could well have won in Salmon. So I think they're, they're good, but they're just... They don't have any really top guys now that Boonin's left. And actually Boonen leaving might have been the best thing to happen at that team for years.
1: Yeah, no, I agree there. And if you look at that that break that was at the Salmon, uh, there was was there three? There's Seri, uh, Declerc and Seneschal in yeah. the break from from quickstep. Uh Let's look a little bit further than those three Terpstra, ex-Quickstep. Uh, who was the AG2R writer? Van den Mm-hmm. Van den Broek. So in fact, Quickstep had five riders in that break uh, at the end of it. And again, it's just like you said, they're 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 very high quality stars. They're not superstars. Um, and I'm almost using the football par- parlance of he's not a top play- He's not a top top player. He's a top player, and I hate it. But yeah, they're they they have such strong men. But at the end of the day, if you put him into a break in the last 40, 50 K of Flanders or Roubaix and you've got Van Mark, you've got GVA, you've got Sagan, you've got Terpstra and there's attacking going and it's, it's not their first choice because that's what sometimes they do. They will put their second choice rider up the front. They'll get him into the break. They'll get him to cover it um, and just that the the power of those other riders is, is that little bit better um, what do they do then you know uh, you saw Sagan the way he fell off the front in, in uh, Roubaix it was when everyone was kind of just at their limit after a number of attacks he just rode away and that- Gilbert at to- Gilbert at the time had nothing nothing to go go with him Like uh, at that time I thought Gilbert wasn't their first choice I thought he was the covering rider um, and that's that's the thing that they that will go against him. If the covering writer is against some bigger riders, he will get outplayed.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, fairly boring podcasting because we're completely in concurrence here. Yeah. I think particularly when you add in the extra distance for a Ruby or not so much a milan and Remo because you can actually hide in the wheels and they can bring their numbers to bear in that. I think more so, but in a Ruby or a Flanders, the extra distance will just play towards the individual excellence of the likes of, of particularly Sagan or, or Greg Van Avermat. But you know, you would never be surprised to see one of them pop up. So, Stibar, I thought really clever, just did the classic thing, waited till everything was finished, and then attacked over the top. Yep. And as soon as he went, you could tell he was gone because the others almost immediately looked at each other. And then, yep. once people started to do that, Derek Stibar's not going to get pulled back for that sort of distance.
1: No, and it's the same thing on a Sunday, you know, when Youngles got away, like, it was just kind of... He didn't attack. He just kind of rolled off the front. And when he started getting the gap, he got the gap, like, you know, and he was... I know Drucker put in massive, massive turns there and pulling back up the group, and they almost got across. Um, but I suppose you look across the weekend, Terpster was lurking quite quite a bit. Um, he maybe just short that 1% or 2% of, of fitness or that, that final kick.
0: He short uh, a team. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there were guys up there and there was some bad luck with punctures and stuff for him. But, you know, I think he'll take a wee while to get into the way of racing without the quick-step guys around him. It's a, it yeah. must be a different mindset.
1: Oh, it definitely is. And I think, you know, even there uh, towards the end of the Salmon, uh, he had a couple of guys riding on the front and uh, Israel Cycle Academy came up and uh, Conor Dunn came up and did a few turns and like he was blown away the direct energy guys. Um, which doesn't look good if you know what I mean. Like you know that these are supposed to be the guys that are his classics team, and um, Connor, who's a allegedly a level down from them, was blowing them off his wheel, like, and they couldn't hold him. So, yeah, if he's looking, if he's looking to chase down a break or he's looking to control a break um, from a group, he's going to be in bother. Um, but I think it, what he has to do is he kind of has to play second fiddle. He 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 can't ride the quick step role anymore. He has to he has to be a bit more passive. He has to be following the, the wheels. He has to be following the break. He, I don't necessarily think he's the man to make the break, but he has to be in it and following it and just be smart and uh, not necessarily rely on his team that way. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Now, Jungels, uh
0: Pat LeFevre had said um, that Kern brussels Kern was his auditions, maybe too strong a word, but his taste for the Cobles. He's been talking about shifting to particularly the Tour of Flanders this year with, I think, long-term plans to to look at Paris-Roubaix, which is a decent tester. He, he's got all the stuff. One of our subscribers said to me that he was almost the opposite of Geraint Thomas because Lefebvre also said that, that Jungos just couldn't get down to the kind of weight he would need to be to compete with you know 60 kilogram climbers in the Grand Tours. So he's maybe shifting focus more towards the Classic. I thought... He showed all of the skills, because we've seen he's got the bike handling that you need for a ruby, which is strong, the ability to have a dig that maybe isn't the most explosive, but you ride folk off your wheel, um, and the ability to time trial well. I thought Quickstep there played a different tactic to the usual one. They sat behind poor Jempe Drucker. I mean, they just left him out in the wind for kilometre after kilometre, and... Because there were four or five of them lying astern behind Rooker, nobody else could get in to coordinate the chase. I thought it was very clever. I, I don't understand why the other teams weren't more aggressive trying to shove them off Drucker's wheel, but it, it was a decent bit of tactics and played very well for the young girls.
1: It did, and if you look at that group behind them, uh, Jumbo Visma had a couple of riders there, and uh, Groningen was well up in the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they, they weren't that far off him at the end. You know, uh, if they had thrown two riders at it um, and helped Drucker and maybe rode through with him they could have disturbed it and pulled him back a little bit closer or something like that I, uh, there was a lot of head scratching tactics in the background that you, you you just didn't see that guys weren't committed to it um, and I thought they were throwing men up occasionally and it, it really wasn't a concerted concerted chase and even given as you said Quickstep were sitting on the wheels there and there was like four four or five of them sitting in the line of steering, even if they got two two Yumbo or maybe a, another rider up there with uh, Drucker and just started swapping off, yeah, um, and they didn't have to, you know, if it's just three of them, they they would have done a lot more damage. Like, so yeah, they, uh, they, Quickstep played it very very well, but I think a lot of people, um played into their hands and let them let boss the races
0: do you think it's, you know people going about Team Sky making racing boring in the ground Tours which I'm firmly of the opinion is a pile of crap actually because I, I think you can't criticise them for doing the job well in the most efficient way um, do you think people are getting that level of intimidation now for Quick State and are just you know they're, they're just scared to get stuck in because they think well if I do that I'll waste energy and another one of the buggers will just nip off the front
1: uh, I, 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 think in some way, shape, or form they are. I think they've gotten away with it. Um, I think it, you know where everyone says you know Sky are destroying Grand Tours. Well, Quickstep are kind of doing the same to classics and stuff like that for the last two years, um, and they've gotten away with it. Oh sure, they're Belgian. They're okay. They're great. Well, hey. But yeah, I do accept your point. Yeah, that they they are feared and they are kind of led away with a lot of stuff and i think that they, they're given too much respect and again uh, it
0: takes one of the grand champions just against to you know to have the the kind of attitude and self-confidence to go yeah it's that yeah you know, i can
1: have them no you you do and i think um i think uh if van avermaert keeps the head um and rides well i think he'll do well i think uh Sagan has put together a, a, a good classics team with Drucker and Oss uh, and a couple There's more.
0: Not riding because he wants to be ready for Flanders.
1: Yeah, I still think he's, he's targeting Milan Sanremo. Yeah, Yeah,
0: me too, actually. Um, Stradibianchi tomorrow I, I think will be, be really exciting. We might actually put out a, a, a show sooner than usual because I know we'll both be excited to talk about it. Um, the other thing which struck me watching the weekend and um, La Salmon was the quick step guys they must sit down and have a discussion about who's going to win at the start of the day I mean I know that they're they are a wee bit just chaotic which is their strength you know the, any one of them can go off and win but they must have thought oh choose you not know, yeah, Florian you've never had a professional one. go and you have it today
1: mate uh, I think they not necessarily that they they Oh, pick right John you're winning today Derek you're winning tomorrow I think they just play play the tactics right that they have the they have men covering every move and it's then decided from the front yeah. um and you know if you have if you have if you have guys covering every move and they can cover the moves well then they must have good legs And if they have good legs then they're on good form and everything else and uh, you know if they're riding with good legs and they're able to cover moves well, they should, you know, look here, sit in there for, miss, miss a couple of turns, miss a couple of turns, I'll, I'll, do, I'll cover this one, I'll cover this one. And they, they if can, they've got the legs, they're worthy of the support of
0: the rest of the team and if it doesn't work, they'll try somebody else.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and you know, look, I think as well as that, uh, because they win so often, if they lose one, if they if they didn't, if they didn't win the Salmon, for instance, or um, KBK, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, yeah. they would have had they would have had two other wins from the weekend or one other win from the weekend. A lot of teams would, would nearly retire for the year if they got one win on that weekend, like, you know. Um, because they win so often, sometimes it doesn't matter if they lose one because they will win again. And I suppose that it's a different culture because they're winning so often. Um, losing isn't so hard. Well not so not that it's not so hard. They will probably take it hard and everything else, but if they lose one, it doesn't it's not overly big in the whole scheme of things. Say in comparison to Doidata last year, whose first win was the Vuelta. Yeah. You can imagine the pressure that built all year not getting results, not getting results, not getting results. Or not Garmin results.
0: for two years. The pressure just built and built and built and built.
1: Yeah. Whereas um, if you're
0: winning every week, yeah, another yeah. one will come along.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, if they're doing things right and they're executing their, their plans correctly and they're getting the riders into the moves and they're covering the, the right people, it will come off from, uh, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes you do, you do get bet by a better rider on the day and that is the kind of flip side of Van Avermaet on, on Saturday. Like, he was probably the strongest rider there and he probably was the best rider there, but yeah. he just wasn't the smartest rider there. I tell you, actually, I'm,
0: I'm going to move us along a wee bit because we're not a results show. Um... People who've listened to me what are on about cycling for ages will know that I am incandescently angry about a number of things, but possibly the the thing I've been most angry about is the fact that the individual pursuit was taken out of the Olympics. We're years after it now, and I'm still fuming about it every time I watch it. And I would I, we've in Scotland we've got one a truly world-class pursuiter in John Archibald, Katie Archibald's brother. Um and the, the the team pursuit the Aussies did uh, absolutely stunning time where the the British team did a three fifty and got their Aussies ha- handed to them by the Aussies. Pursuit never been healthy. I just get angrier and angrier. But I'm not going to ask you about track racing.
1: No, do do because I, I thought I thought uh Philippe had uh, the ride of his life that weekend for the the worlds. I thought poor John Archibald. I don't know what happened to him. Whether it's just pressure
0: yeah. I, 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 it's just a blip I mean John's young he's developing you know the hoop team that he's part of I was sitting chatting to my mate Steve McCaw who's making another comeback um, um, came back for, to do the the Masters there before it's I think still the second fastest 50 mile time trial in Scottish history and all that kind of stuff. And Steve and I were sitting and pulling it apart and, you know, the hoop team are really moving the goalposts. They're, you know, they're, they're coming in with fresh eyes. So track's really interesting. And maybe we'll have a track show actually, because in Ireland just now you're blessed with some brilliant track riders as well. So it's worthy of discussion. Where I was going with this though is watching Greg Van Avermaet push hard on the Bosberg Watching Chantal Black solo after an attack on the Moor after the Moor Bosper combo, I'm just as angry about the change in the finish of the Tour of Flanders as I am about the pursuit, because that Moor Bosper combo is fucking
1: great. It is, and that kind of, what is it, it's 14k. Mm. And it's it just, just, it just, it's the perfect balance. You know,
0: if you're strong enough to get away over the hills, you're just about strong enough every time to hold off, but not
1: always. Yeah, and it's just that that uh, it was a lot, This time last, this time last year, I rode, rode that 14k or 15k finish. Uh, it's open roads. If you've got a good tailwind, um, you can 55 11 in. I'd in forgotten the road. you did the sportive last year. Indeed, um, you can just 55 11 in the road, and if there's a gap, unless you've got a good team behind you, yeah. they're not come. They're not getting you back. But if they had a another slight climb in it, or a drag, or something else, to break it up, it just do you have the legs? Do you have the legs? Do you have the legs? And um, I think I suppose it's it's a, it's a bit of a compromise. They they needed to kind of tidy up the finish, and they needed to give them a good run in from for Flanders and get them into into the town and everything else. Money is uh, what did it. They wanted oh yeah. more room for VIP tents. Yeah, and look. I was, I was quite shocked. I hadn't been to a pro race in, in in Europe in a couple of years, but I was quite shocked at the huge amount of monetization of Flanders. Hmm. And I, and I know people can go to other races, and I know there. Two years ago, three years ago, my brother did uh, Newsblad, KBK, and a couple of other races in, in the one week. You know, in the one few days, he was living over there, and you know, literally walking up around team buses, looking at the bikes. Whereas Flanders pay to get into the team bus area, pay to get in here, pay to get in there and stuff like that. It just really is hugely monetized. Um, but I don't know. I I, I think, John, I suppose I f- they have to evolve some way, shape or form. And I think what's going to happen is if you give it five, four or five years and if the same combination is winning. So it's not that Sagan's winning every time, but one man gets away in the last climb, solos to the... They will change it. I think that's the one thing that... Um, they are kind of adept at doing is that they'll, they will fine-tune that last little bit. Um,
0: I mean, Killian's always battering on at me about how races change all the time. And what we think is tradition is just what we got used to when we were you know growing to love a race, which is the yep. whole Mure-Gerardsberg and Bosberg combo for me. And I can see Cancellara and Boonin and you know, just so many people getting away over those. But to see it in a race... At a point in the race where it's still significant, which is the case with Omloop on Saturday, yeah. it, it, putting it early in the race is almost worse for me because it pulls its teeth. You'd be better just no having it. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I'm, I'm old. I, I fear change. I just get cross.
1: No, I agree with you. I think putting putting it in early in the race is just kind of like a a little sop to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can't really take it out of the race. But its power was that it came at the end Mm -hmm. uh, and really just kind of almost decided the race. So I think, yeah, they should probably just pull it from the race and then in four or five years' time see how it's playing out and drop it back in um, towards the end or actually make it a bit more of a vital part, drop it back in, at 50k to go, you know, because they
0: come in. What do they do? Three laps. Yeah, my my fourth favourite cycling photo of all time is Sean Kelly and the moor. It's just, I mean, it's uh, what can I say? Like, I mean, let's talk about something cheerier because I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll start to wallow and, and get depressed if we carry on talking about this.
1: So something cheerier do you want to talk about the women's race that was pulled to to leave the men's race go or do you want to talk about the blood doping scandal
0: well I was going to go straight to blood doping but the women's race is a good one first because I I think Corin Rivera got it absolutely perfect when she said you know when I was a young junior the faster group always got to go past the slower group
1: exactly (laughs) and still does
0: I think we've, we've had the kind of two-painted woman frog thing for E3, which um, is is just carried on what they did before. And that's offensive, but I think the casual sexism of just... Declan Quigley actually summed it up perfectly when he was commentating. He just said, you yeah, know, it'll never even have been discussed to hold up the men's race. But it wouldn't have changed anything. Um, you know, the, the women... They might have had to hold the men back a wee bit longer, because once the men's race kicked off at the end, they are going to be a kilometre or two faster than the women, so they might have caught them quicker once they kicked off. But just the sheer disrespect
1: it showed oh,
0: yeah. was was breathtaking for me.
1: Yeah, and like you said, uh, stop the men. Uh, it wouldn't have even entered the heads to stop the men's race. No, no.
0: I mean, um, I, 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 I you can tell up cross about this I was chatting to Scott about in the Velocast And equally insulting is the fact They only gave the men a 10 minute start You yeah. know Who can't conceive of the fact that the best women In the world, and we saw that you know, With the finish to the race Aren't capable of closing 10 minutes on a men's peloton Which we've seen Doddle so often before the shit Hits the fan, you know, the, the crucial point In the race, it should have been half An hour or
1: 20 minutes yeah. And look, we've often seen a race where it's the first hour of it is almost like, um, uh, hey, you're back. Oh, I haven't seen you since last year. Hey, how yeah. you doing? You know, there's, there's boys going around shaking hands and having the chat and having the, oh, the break gone. Oh, Grant, look, uh, listen, how did you get on? How was it how was going? You know, the, the first hour of a men's race can often be like that. I know Roubaix, et cetera, are different, uh, but they are they are point to point. So, like, you know, where you have loops and stuff like that, you have to be very, very aware of uh, gaps and everything else. And, look, you see it in amateur races in in Scotland and England, you know, if you've got your your four categories um, racing on the same loop, a 20K loop or a 30K loop or whatever, you know, commissars always, always stagger quite well, and they'll always work with the organisers to make sure that they don't catch each other and they keep everything out of the way. Now, it's happened, I think, a couple of years ago. It happened... The women's race, the women's nationals, mm. they they got pulled from the me- they got pulled for because the men's nationals were coming over. And Again, it was just a a, a a bad timing issue, but just I suppose it goes to show that there is a an inbuilt disrespect and inbuilt disregard for women women cycling in, in the sport. And even it feels very very harsh talking about this on International Women's Day as well. But if you go back and we look at the E3 poster uh, what they were talking about you know the women's Roubaix women's tour of France recently you know it just there's inbuilt misogynism in it mm. and there's in it just it just needs to change and they need to be given the respect that they deserve and there's not only do they deserve that they need to, to, to develop that sport
0: yeah and I mean Stibar's win was brilliant I, I thought Chantal Black's was better I yeah. thought the women's race was a better race um but i mean we we've talked this, people know how we feel about this um, and confusion can happen but there was so much that was foreseeable about that and just the the instant response and it made it made the washington post you know not the sports pages yeah it made the guardian not the sports pages you know so it was bad press for the sport so it it was wrong on so many levels um unlike austrian blood doping which seems to be
1: really popular just now yeah you can walk into any room and someone's doing it did you see that photo it's, it's uh, oh, uh, man. One of one of my mates was saying to me you know i said if that happened to me i pretend i pretend to be asleep in the chair and suddenly oh what what what's what's happening here how did i get here
0: yeah or or you know I, I don't know what I would do I mean but you can see the look in the guy's face it's just he I mean he he knows that he's, he's done it wrong and then we had um, Austrian cycles Georg Predler, the, the the time trial champion Stefan Denifel who, who rode for Rick Delaney's Aqua Blue last year both popular personable riders um, it's you know when did when did Scott and I start Velocast in 2009 we were talking about this kind of shit then you know we're 10 years old and I'm perfectly prepared to accept that cycling's cleaner than it was 10 years ago but you know to still be getting this kind of crap is it's really depressing
1: it is it's horribly depressing and I think um, what has made it worse is just that it's probably driven a another tractor through the the blood passport and all that sort of stuff, so... Well, Jim Ochovitz, and you, you have to
0: take this with a pinch of salt, because Och's been involved in the, the darkest under the, underbelly oh, of American cycling for Christ knows how many decades, and I wouldn't trust him with, with somebody else's house keys, never mind my own. But, you know, he said there were no indications in Denibal's passport that... Uh, you know,
1: that... He was it, doping. It
0: was doping. You know
1: Yeah, uh, well, I suppose if you take money's word, does that make the passport completely invalid?
0: Well, I don't know, but it, it, it certainly casts doubt in in fans' minds. And it, when it comes back to it, you and I have talked about this, Scott and I have talked about this, everybody and their granny have talked about this. What you need is a trusted system, and anything that undermines the trust in the system is bad for the sport.
1: Yeah, and look, the, the only thing I can take from this, and I suppose... I can't. There's no point in looking into it too much because you'd only just melt your own head. But uh, the questions I would I would like answered are: Are we just it, it, when you're testing like this? Is it just junk in and junk out? Is anyone looking at the data? If anyone's looking at the data, how often is it analysed? You know, if they're. If we're seeing if we're seeing people being caught for this, and we go back and we look at his data and go, okay, right, well, he said he took blood here on the fourth of May. We tested him on the seventh, or we tested him on, you know, before that. Uh, what can we what can we see around 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 this sort of stuff? And we're not learning from any of it. And if, for example, we're just te- not not testing too much, it's, it's the wrong thing I want to say. But if there's too much test information coming in for the analysts to look at, well, then the system's broken because we're not learning anything from the system and they're literally just rubber stamping stuff. So I think the thing needs an overhaul and a look at and they need to put their hand up and say, look, this is what we're going to do to try and combat this a bit better. Um, I know they can't re- reveal everything that they're going to do because, again, if you say we're going to test for X, writers will get a step ahead. But what I'm trying to say is they need to, they need to be more rigid about it they need to put more assets into it they need to put more time into it they yeah. need to put more more research into it and they need to literally uh, put off results and send them off to somewhere somewhere to be studied and to be you know see if they can see any any in-depth stuff uh, and they need to they need to go back and look at people's yeah, past
0: stored and, and random retesting and all that kind of stuff yeah you know
1: five ten years
0: later yeah. Um, I have got. I need to make clear when I said that anything that undermines that trust is back to the sport, I'm not saying you should sweep under the carpet stuff that undermines the trust, I'm saying you should have a system that's robust enough to deal with questions like the ones that have been raised by this yeah. know, the problems with the system nobody wants to sweep anything under the carpet you know it, it should all be out in the open and again here we've got another indication where it's only when proper authorities get involved that you get serious consequences
1: yep you know? what is jail, jail time involved that's when people that's when people you know start getting queasy about it like you know mm-hmm. um, uh, preler just had blood taken off and he, there was I no, th-
0: I, I've never inhaled crap
1: but if he was a Valverde, sit tight and say nothing
0: yeah yeah. No, that's a fair point. Um, and I mean, I, I saw somebody, I, I, it's actually provoked a lot of questions about Valverde, obviously, because it's blood. Um, and my catchphrase, and, you know, after. Uh, Puerto was, you know, it's his blood, for God's sake. Um, somebody said, would Valverde still be racing if he'd had, you know, that picture? And that's that's a pointless question. The answer, of course, is probably no. Although knowing Valverde, he would have served would a ban serve, and then come back, back then anyway. Back. But he yep. wasn't caught with that picture. So who, who the hell knows? I mean, what a pointless question. Deal with the real stuff in front of you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Look, um, I suppose, look, just to move on from this, I hope in some way shape or form that the passport is reformed or is pushed um, I think we've seen a lot of um, really good scientists pushed out over the last while because of the way that they're behaving um, WADA and everything else um, it just they have they haven't a flawless system and they, they need to look at it and they need to it needs to evolve and it needs to get better adding a test for tramadol that's great and banning tramadol that's great but if we're now seeing that microdosing, all that sort of stuff is, is becoming a bit more rampant, well, then the, the, the t- testing needs to be ramped up, the testing test results need to be further investigated, and they need to be more proactive. It, it's not a pat in the back situ- situation. Like. And the
0: system's fundamentally unfair. I mean, laying aside what your opinion of Team Sky are, or is rather, you know, the whole thing about the, the, the Froome case was they had the resources to pursue it to the bitter end. Um, and it, you know, it. It seems to me likely that the test was fatally flawed, um, and, and oh, the, oh, yeah. end, the end result was is, is perfectly justified. The problem is that if you're riding for a pro county team without those kind of resources, your career would be over for the same thing now.
1: Oh yeah, and you know, and that's, when that's...
0: when justice is decided by money, look at Paul Manafort today in the states. You know, yep. there are people who've had an ounce of cannabis. That are sitting, in longer prison terms than Paul Manafort just got. It, when justice is decided by money, it's wrong, and that's the situation that we saw writ large with with Chris and Sky versus, you know, even Pataki, you know, a, a yeah. top level rider the decade before.
1: Yeah, and I, it goes to show that poor rulemaking will, in in the case of in the case of Froome, you know, there was poor rules and there was holes in it, and there was. Problems with it, and a bad rule is worse than no rule, mm-hmm. because yeah. it'll it'll feel like, it, as you said, uh, justice for the for the rich or justice for those that can afford it, and no justice for those who can't afford it. Uh, because what'll happen is if you know you put a, a team of barristers into that and they can say, well, look, we found a loophole, but it's going to take us three months to get through, you know, all the the legwork. Well, only someone like Froome can afford all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we should probably call Proceedings to a close. Uh, what music have you been listening
1: to? I have been listening to uh, Belgian Techno. I've been listening to Dutch, te- Dutch Techno. Uh, I was up, uh, we were, I was racing last weekend. So the opening, not only was it the opening weekend in Belgium, it was opening weekend in Ireland. Uh, so we had two races on last weekend and uh, the guy I'm looking after for a few weeks, Connor Lambert, um, was playing a lot of that sort of stuff. The uh, uh, I think a Dutch DJ, Gibroder. Um you don't, want, you don't want to translate the the lyrics into English. It's not very... It's actually really, really harsh stuff. Um, it's about a child of the devil. Um, it's really, really fucking mental um, techno. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been mainly listening to over the weekend. Well, I've, I've
0: been listening to a bit of Mayhem, Norwegian death metal, because somebody recommended a podcast which led me down that way and a, a lot of Frank Zappa. So if you want a soundtrack to... Uh, to, to this week's Flamcast there you go, you've got it um, Low Countries Techno, Frank Zappa and, and some death metal um, other than that I suspect we'll be back a bit quicker than a fortnight because I, I, I doubt if we'll be able to hold in talking about Strada Bianchi or previewing the upcoming races uh, for, for the Flamcast um, where can people find you on in the internet Derek, as if they don't bloody know by now
1: uh, you can find me knocking around at Flamcast on Twitter
0: yeah, I'm at Velocast John on Twitter. Um, if you haven't listened to the Velocast, uh, you can go to Velocast.cc and sign up because we want your money. Um, I think we've got some plans for some merchandise, Eric, uh, which which will be revealed in due course. Yes, uh, so you can buy some Flamcast merch very very soon. Uh, but other than that, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you in a wee while.